It's Friday evening, and an all-female funk band gets ready for the stage. Across town, a marimba group goes busking. In the central plaza, a punky ska band puts the audience through their paces. At an arts center on the outskirts, an upcoming band blends reggae, rap, rock, and local rhythms. Hello, Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. On today's show, we explore the contemporary music of Costa Rica. These vibrant fusions reflect the diversity of the country's people and their quest for national identity in the face of cultural influences from larger regional powers. Producer David Katz traveled there to learn more. Home to 5 million people, Costa Rica lies between Panama and Nicaragua, with the Pacific to the west and the Caribbean to the east, and mountain ranges, tropical forests, and jungles in between, yielding distinctive musical cultures in different regions, subsequently affected by patterns of migration. Pura Vida, or Pure Life, is the country's unofficial motto. Costa Rica was colonized by the Spanish for over 300 years, but the inhospitable terrain offered few resources that could be mined successfully. Also, its indigenous peoples proved less susceptible to forced labor than those in other territories. Guillermo Rosabalcoto, who is a professor of music education at the University of Costa Rica, says that the territory had low-ranking status. We could say that this territory was less developed or less rich than other centers of the Spanish Empire, like in Mexico or Peru. So it seems that the Spanish did not consider us of much importance. And the way we got our independence was pretty unusual, like the, the document where they draft the terms. It was just sent over, and people did not know about it until it arrived to the different Central American territories, and that was it and they had to deal with that, that new condition. Newfound wealth reached the mestizo elite through the exportation of coffee, which played a huge role in modernizing the country. To aid in the process, thousands of Jamaicans arrived in the 1870s. They built a railway line that ran from the capital of San Jose to Puerto Limon on the Caribbean coast. Smaller numbers came from Barbados and Trinidad, but the black populace had few tangible rights and would not be granted citizenship until 1948, when the end of a 44-day civil war paved the way to a stable democracy.
Trio Los Ticos was one of the first local groups to release records in the early 1950s. This is their version of El Punto Guanacasteco, a much-versioned classic deemed representative of Costa Rica's folkloric song. But Guillermo says that the quest for a national music was problematic from the start. We see ourselves usually through the lenses of the Euro-North American reality. Due to the colonization process that started when the Spanish emissaries first landed here in 1502. So in Costa Rica in 1927, the Secretariat of Education requested a group of European conservatory educated uh, musicians and teachers to tour the country and find the national music. And they decided that the national music will be the music of the northern province of Guanacaste because it uh, resembled music from Spain. That was just the reason. They did not represent the feeling of the Costa Ricans. Aside from the local folkloric styles, Cuban son and Mexican bolero were huge in Costa Rica during the 1950s with La Sonora Matancera a favorite. And in the following decades, Colombian and Panamanian cumbia would come to the fore. Then in the mid-1960s, the local music scene got a boost from San Jose's young rock movement influenced by British beat groups and American surf music. One signature tune, Dame Oportunidad, was given to Los Thunder Boys by Salvadorian singer-songwriter Tony Acosta following a chance meeting. Costa Rican popular music became much more sophisticated in tandem with the rise of Latin rock. Over in Limon, the group Bocaraca conjured a heady mix of Caribbean funk, calypso, and psychedelia. Their hit Cahuita gave kudos to a then remote fishing village in a mix of Creole English and Spanish. Sol, 
Right on me hot pants, man. I see you showing your leg a line. Yeah, man, I'm do that sometime. Yeah, and a lot of women down here, boy. Yeah, a lot of them. Strong, good noting, Kawita. And they're easy and cool. Yeah, cool, easy. The producer and future band manager, Teodoro Symes, describes the group's outstanding adventurousness. In the early 70s, Bocaracao was a student's group, and that was a band that started to uh, make a combination of different genres and interpretation of music. And they start to play a little bit of Latin rock, where they have also the embraces of the Caribbean with a little bit Calypso with cumbia and the pop. Uh, Bocaracao was like a native uh, initiative of music, you know, they just want to investigate and, and touch and play there. <laughs> Following the departure of the bass player, Luis Hakamo, Bocaraca regrouped as Marfil, one of Costa Rica's most important and longest-lasting outfits. Marfil come with different things, like uh, Latin rock music with Motown. You can hear uh, Pretenders, you can hear also Michael Jackson in some places, and uh, Hurt, Wind and Fire and things like that. So that is Marfil. And Marfil starts to scale uh, different things and they start to compose music, different types of music. by the King's Trials, an early reggae calypso hybrid released in Costa Rica in 1975. It adapted a song by the New York-based pan-Caribbean band Cinnamon Sons. Most King's Trials members were from Bocas del Toro, across the Panamanian border. They were one of several acts to make their name in Costa Rica by performing at the former headquarters of Marcus Garvey, the Jamaican founder of the UNIA who became an activist after working on a banana plantation in Limon. People from Panama coming to Limon and making concerts in the Liberty Hall. The King's Trials, Playmates, all these type of little bands, Congo Man Wat and the Beachers of Panama. The same music what you hear in Panama because that was people coming from the Caribbean, you know. Cockroach, cockroach, kill the cockroach. Cockroach. 
watching your clothes. Cockroach, cockroach, kill the cockroach. Take your boots in, mash up the cockroach. Cockroach, cockroach, kill the cockroach. And then you lay on press with the reggae press. Cockroach, cockroach, kill the cockroach. Yo soy de limón y no soy negrito. Yo soy de ese pueblo. Si en ese pueblo, junto con mi gente, y a nadie le niego que soy limonense, porque allá en Limón, además de los negritos, habemos blanquitos, mulatos, chinitos, porque allá en Limón, además de los negritos, habemos blanquitos, mulatos, chinitos. On Soy Limonese, local salsa stars Caribou sang of the cosmopolitan mixture of Limon's immigrant communities. Formed in 1977, they made a nationwide impact after moving to the capital in 1980. Well, they have Caribou, what's group from Limon, and they come back to the central Bali and we make explosion of our music because in the Bali here it is of different folklore music, but not the flavor. Costa Rica's Nueva Canción, or New Song Movement, was another important part of the nation's musical development in the 1970s and 80s. Grupo Tayacan, led by Nicaraguan exile Luis Enrique Mejia Godoy, featured Chilean and Costa Rican musicians, blending different Latin American elements into their politicized acoustic folk. The iconic singer-songwriter Manuel Monastel joined the group in 1978, along with his brother, Bernal. La Nueva Canción was a music based on the ancestral sounds, folk sounds, but with a political message. People like Atahualpa Yupanqui in Argentina, Violeta Parra in Chile. And then in the 1970s, with the uh, rise of Salvador Allende, socialist government in Chile, the seeds of the new song became stronger. And that's when Victor Jara appears as the greatest political songwriter in Latin America. And in every country, there was some people doing a local Nueva Canción and denouncing the social and political problems they had in each country. And 
That's how we uh, founded the new song movement in Costa Rica, influenced by people that were exiled here. They joined with us, Costa Rican musicians, and then we started singing about the local problems we had in Costa Rica, you know, especially the terrible conditions of the banana workers and also singing a lot of solidarity songs with the different countries that were struggling against dictatorships. A fine constructor really never knew the booger was a builder. And the cabin in the cabin, the cabin in the cabin, the cabin in the water. I knew he was a diver, really never knew the booger was a builder. After the demise of Taya Khan, Manuel founded Canto America to broaden the palette of Nueva Cancion. When uh, Luis Enrique went back to Nicaragua after the triumph of the revolution, Canto America tried to continue the uh, sound of Tayacán, but little by little we started taking our own way. That was 1980, and that was when I started discovering Calypso in Limón and Cahuita. And so I started changing the direction of the sound, you know, like we could still be Nueva Canción, but uh, we started playing the Calypsos in Caribbean English. Cabin in the Water, one of the many calypsos written by Walter Ferguson that Canto America adapted. The king of calypso Limonese recorded sparsely and had already retired when Manuel approached him. The adaptations revived interest in his work, and Ferguson died a national hero in 2023 aged 103. Ferguson was, besides uh, being a great artist, he was a great human being, you know, humble, open, generous, and he was already retired. He wouldn't play in public, but he would sing his songs for me in his living room, and he would uh, show me, you know, little tricks of the guitar to play, and uh, he would explain to me the reason why he would write Calypso. And yet the adaptations proved controversial. They would say, yeah, those songs are nice, but why are you singing that weird English that nobody understands? That was San Jose. And, and then in Limon, black people were wondering why this Panaman, this you know, Spanish man, was singing their songs. You know, and They thought it was uh, some type of uh, guy that was going to become rich, exploiting the material of the songwriters from them. You know? So I had to deal with uh, opposition both in San Jose and Limon. After 40 years, I think that changed, and then uh, both sides understood that my intention was good. Manuel says that resistance to Calypso in the capital is indicative of pervasive racial and linguistic discrimination, something mainstream Costa Rica still grapples with. 
The world knows Costa Rica as a white country, a Spanish-speaking country, but I would say the majority, we are a mixture of indigenous, pre-Columbian people that were here before the Europeans came. And also we had some African elements by having small amounts of slaves. So I myself had ancestors in that group. So we were never white, you know, they invented a white nation. That was an invention right after the independence. And yes, we speak Spanish, but we still have uh, several groups of people that speak their own ancestral tongues, you know, Bribri, Cabeca, Waimi. And then we had the migrations of thousands of people from Jamaica, Barbados, St. Kitts. They came at first as builders of a railway from San Jose to the new port of Limon. And they became part of the workers of the United Fruit Company. And they remain, became a solid community with a Caribbean English and a lot of social and cultural practices that uh, remain there and that uh, some people, especially official voices, won't give credit to that. But, you know, we also have a terrible social disease that is called racism in Costa Rica in different ways. Manuel emphasizes that Costa Rican popular music and Latin American music more generally has always resulted from dynamic cultural exchanges. People always try to find the pureness in these musical processes, and I don't believe in pureness. I believe in mixing. I believe in exchanging sounds that become peculiar and unique in a specific geographical, historical, cultural context. So many people ask me, why do you say Calypso's Costa Rican? Calypso came from Trinidad. And I say, the roots of Calypso are probably in Haiti, Bolero was born in Cuba, but Mexican Bolero. It took the roots of the Cuban Bolero and they made something different out of that. Most of the music of the Guanacastan, which is considered the official folk music of Costa Rica, is also influenced by Cuban sounds because there was Cuban migrations in the early 20th century in Guanacaste. And Antonio Machado himself, the great leader of the independence revolution in Cuba, lived in Guanacaste with 20 Afro Cuban families. You can't really avoid mixing, and the origin of humanity is mixing. Caribe from Canto America's 2002 city, Palale Butt. The album was produced by keyboardist Walter Flores, who later drafted two band members to work on Ruben Blade's Grammy-winning album, Mundo. 
Parallels, the type of uh, soup they make in Cahuita is similar to Rondon. It's a whole bunch of things, you know, like uh, some yam and yuca and stuff like that. They mix it with some seafood, different elements uh, getting cooked in the same pot. Walter Flores is a great musician and a great record producer. And uh, at that time, he was getting ready to start working with uh, Ruben Blades. Mundo, one of Blades' uh, recordings that won a whole bunch of Grammys. Palalepot, this record is really important because uh, the participation of Walter Flores, you know, that's special. And it was different for me because uh, the responsibility of producing wasn't mine anymore. I was just like an assistant to Walter that did uh, the real job. You know? In 2008, Manuel's Afro Limon reworked an earlier folkloric adaptation of Tayacan to salute the African heritage that defines the dominant culture of Limon province. Rican rap, ska, reggae, zouk, dancehall, dub, and more. Visit afropop.org for The Panama Beat, a related program exploring the diverse musical culture of neighboring Panama. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX.
This is La Avispa by Grupo La Banda, one of the massive hits of the chiki chiki craze that swept Costa Rica in the 1970s and 80s. It adapted a cadence track by Gramac International of Dominica with new lyrics by La Banda's Chino Moreno. of Chiki Chiki's distinctive rhythm is disputed, with claims staked in Limon, San Jose, and the Central Valley. The name is said to reference the ghostly accents of reggae's rhythm guitar. But French Caribbean forms like zouk and compa were also reference points. <laughs> The song Menealo by Marfil implored Costa Ricans to shake their bodies. Qué rico que baila el porro, la mujer de Costa Rica. Qué rico que baila el porro, digo, la mujer en San Ramón. Menea su cuerpecito. Menealo, menealo. Menea su cuerpecito. Marfil continued to innovate with El Reggae de la Cabeza, one of the first locally recorded reggae releases. the 1970s, Jamaican reggae was featured on the local disco mobiles, or mobile discotheques, 
the records brought to Costa Rica on cruise ships that docked in Limon. But the reggae and dancehall scenes really blossomed from the mid-1990s through local acts like the Baby Rasta Band. Reportedly the first reggae band in Central America, they came together under Luis Hakamo's direction. At the same time, the group Raga by Roots became a national sensation through their unprecedented mix of rap and dancehall delivered in Spanish and English. Give me a paper and pen so I can tell you how my life was then. I tried to make a success, but I just couldn't end. I have to follow my dreams, and if it is for me, it's to give away my illusion, take it as it seems. Each and every day of my life, I get down on my knees and pray. I wonder if we can make it to another day. You gotta stick to your dreams, don't let them get away. Know that you're gonna make it, no matter what they say. Natural Vibes was also mashing up reggae, dancehall, and hip-hop. Group member Sasha Campbell explains the process. 
When I was like 17, I think, Beanie Man came to Costa Rica and I opened the show. I had this tiny trio, Caribbean family, with these two um, guys from Limon, Daddy Banton and Ghetto Fabulous. We just went around the country performing in small bars and small venues, just uh, with a microphone and some backing track and just doing a little bit of dance hall. And I sang a little bit, then went back to the rapping and the reggae. And that was it for a while until Natural Vibes came along. Most of us gradually moved between the rapping scene and the dance hall the scene. <laughs> We did this song, Welcome to My World. That song played in, in the radio station in, in New York. And uh, those the three of us, Enrique Castillo, Kingstar, and Enoch Samuels. I think we didn't know how to move to the next step. So after a while, I created this all-female vocal group called Imani. We wanted to sing like gospel and like soul and stuff like that. After that, Robert Aguilar from Squad came looking for me. It was actually a hit on the radio and uh, it opened a lot of doors for us. Like I said, we were young and we didn't know what to do with it. 2003, we did our last show and then I started performing alone. While pursuing a solo career in jazz and R&B, Sasha continued to collaborate with reggae acts, including the pioneering group Mecca Tell You. Me no matter if you rich, me no matter if you poor, me no matter if you black, me no matter if you white, me no matter if you are a Chinese, that's true in La Tierra, we no one more alive, but I'm in El Aire, we no one more alive. The name of the group is how you call the English in Limon. And that's actually showed a lot of people that they do speak English in Limon, that is just called differently and it has a different accent. It was a great cultural opportunity for the rest of the country to learn from the, what Mekateli was doing at that time. Sasha has since been an unstoppable force on the Costa Rican music scene, her work cutting across different genres. And she presented radio and TV shows too. From humble beginnings, she and her siblings have made nationwide impact, with one a prominent dancer, another a poet, and sister Espy even serving as vice president from 2018 to 2022. The first black Costa Rican woman to hold such high office. Nevertheless, Sasha says the nation still has far to go where race and gender are concerned. We're still a country full of stereotypes and low-key racism. A couple of weeks ago, this black girl in the south part of San Jose, she went to school on the first day wearing braids, and the teacher told her to go home because this was not Limon, that she needed to change her hair, that this was not a place for her to be wearing that. It seems inimaginable that, that, that at this day and age, someone would think about that and say it to a little girl, but it's still happening.
In the mid-1990s, after encouragement from Ragabai Roots, Tapon became Costa Rica's biggest voice in reggaeton. The song Creada a mi manera, or Created My Way, launched his long career. same era, Costa Rican ska was on the rise. Following the success of Argentinian revivalists such as Los Fabuloso Cadillacs and Los Autenticos Decadentes, plus Venezuela's King Shango. Marco Villalobos Urena, alias Dr. Rhythm Selecta, says that the genre changed his life. One of my cousins, Hugo, it's the main singer of one of the ska bands here in Costa Rica called Mentados. And uh, when I was five years old, I saw him on a concert for the first time. Well, it was amazing. So when I get to high school, I came back to Ska and uh, I started getting some meetings with friends in San Jose. And we create Costa Rica Good Boy Union. Besides the music, we start doing some nice things. Uh, we're going to like uh, orphanage. We collect uh, food for people and we collect books and pens for the kids so they can go to school. We do parties and we collect money and give it. We like music and we like to help, so we want to go to that direction. So we decided to create the AC Sound System and we had our first party in 2008. The Aces are the only sound system playing authentic Jamaican ska and boss reggae in Costa Rica. They've since won a Latin American sound clash and have hosted like-minded peers such as Fuego Negro from Bogota and Bover Attack from Mexico City. No hay censura, este danza les adrenalina pura Y para bajar con la otra en la cintura Llamen al doctor, se elevó la temperatura De lado a lado y con soltura Mueve la cadera, baby, que sabrosura Este movimiento es historia y cultura a tireless campaigner for reggae in all its forms, the doctor has since become a broadcaster and record producer. He emphasizes the long-standing affinity between Costa Rica and reggae's birthplace. The culture is peak, and artists from Jamaica, they feel overwhelmed of what's going on with reggae music. I know artists that come and buy a house immediately. Hey, I need a house in Costa Rica. Get me a house here because I need this influence too. And actually they come and they see, hey, this is like little Jamaica. You have mountains, you have rivers, you have the beach really close. And doesn't matter if we are a small country. You understand it's it's something that we really love. So whoever is listening to this and love reggae music, come by to Costa Rica and see the experience, see what's going on here, what we are doing. Yeah, glory to words, sound, and power. Yeah, glory to the power, the sound, and the power. I tell you, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that. What's 
Crystal Red Bell, what me tell them dread, dread. Well, look at now, a Crystal Leon de Fuego. Comienza a ser positivo para mi pueblo. Pa' que se alejen de lo malo y solo hagan lo bueno. Dígale que la vida no es un juego. Costa Rebel, solo de mi un rhythm, un micrófono. Pa' que escuchen mi estilo y mi tono. Lírica consciente proporcionó la misión, nunca abandonó. Cuando vaya un eso promocionó. This is Word Sound Empowered by Jaricio, produced at Costa Rebel Studios by Daniel Ortega, alias Costa Rebel, who also came to reggae after being involved in the local ska revival scene. I started as a drummer almost 23 years ago, playing in a band from my high school called Scarabajo, a ska band. We had a very big ska scene in Costa Rica. I think mainly because of the influence from Argentina and Mexico. Then we started to get music from Chile, Argentina, like Los Pericos, Los Cafres, Gondwana, which were reggae bands. And I joined a band called My Tam, and it had some success here in Costa Rica. There was a very big dancehall scene in Costa Rica as well. So a big producer, Chino Artavia, he was doing the second uh, Radicales album, a big, big various artist album. And he reached us to be the backing band for his project. So we start learning dancehall and we had the experience to open for the first Kepletan show here in the Caribbean side. It was a big, big show and a big, big experience to get to know not just dancehall, but for us also the black culture, you know, and get to know more the people from Limon, the Caribbean. It's a very big influence in our culture. But at the beginning, it was totally separated. They felt like a different place. They, they used to say, we are Limon and they are Costa Rica. Then, Mecateljo one of the reggae pioneers here in the capital. The bass player, Gabo Davila, told me he wanted to do another dancehall backing band with his brother, Manuel Davila, and we used to open every Mecateljo show. We had Huba Watson and Kike Daddy, who were the main artists, and then we took Jaricio and Hannah Gabriels. She used to sing with us as well, and one day she told us, I'm not gonna sing no more, I'm gonna dedicate 100% full-time to boxing. And one year later, she became the world champion. In 2003, one of my friends who was keyboard player, whose name is Randall Castro, he founded R9 Music, a studio, and he told me to join him to build rhythms, because in every band I played, I was always creating music. 
writing music, making rhythms was kind of easy for me. And we made the R9 band as well. So around 2010, I started studying music production at Berkeley College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts. My mother, in 2010, she got a job in Switzerland, in Geneva. So I moved with her there, start to get to know a lot of the scene in Europe. But I always stay like half of the year in Switzerland, half of the year here in Costa Rica. And from there, I started Costa Rebel Productions in 2010, 2011. Demasiado lo que habláis, dais, siempre encontrarás más. Mentiras en este país hay desde la alta sociedad. At the beginning, I link up with Pipo T from Spain, and he voiced the I Dream Rhythm, and it became a big, big hit, especially in Mexico. He did a video in Spain, and he told me, yo, Costa Rebel, we are getting hundreds of thousands of views, and the stats show that it's in Mexico. And I say, well, all over the music industry in Costa Rica, we always look forward to step up, go to Mexico. You know, it's like the next step, and, and it was just a matter of months and the track got like almost two million views Yo, you don't know if you turn up the beers on the treble <laughs> highest level see me i said joe over the devil i don't think that we are praying on your seat a different meditation will be in a we judge about we side, we a winner. Ha. Couldn't be a loser. If we talk the truth, yeah. See ya. I am a lion, trodden straight unto Zion. In a desert time, I fit of a dan iron. Yeshua alone, what me trust and me lion. King of all kings are the conquering lion. Then Million Styles came to the country. Ras Manuel brought him to my studio. We became really, really good friends. And nowadays I consider him my brother and he used to stay here in my house for plenty, plenty time. And we made a lot of music, but uh, the first track we made, Conquering Lion, which is part of his album, Revolution Times, became another big hit and it's funny because those two are still the biggest hits that I ever produced.
That's Dubwise by Maurice Style, a recent Costa Rebel production hailing the power of the reggae sound system, which remains strictly underground in Costa Rica. in Puerto Viejo, south of Limón, Dario Obon Menendez has been promoting reggae culture under the moniker DJ Garth. Born in Spain and of part Moroccan heritage, he moved to Costa Rica when he was seven years old. Since I came to Puerto Viejo, I feel like this is one of the most strongest things that the culture here has. So it becomes very normal for you to listen to reggae. And I feel like it creates a big impact into the people's mind and living. I became a DJ selector since I was in school. I get a lot of support from DJ Chris, who has a studio here, Positive Studio. There was DJ Miguel, a guy from Argentina that really have a big impact with a reggae night in Puerto Viejo in the 90s. There was many, many DJs that also share music because you have DJs that travel to Jamaica to get CDs and come here. In 2019, Dario launched the Wallaba Youth Sound System to mentor young people in DJing and surfing skills offering an alternative to crime in a disenfranchised part of the country. His approach to sound system was something new. The sound system, I started to study the culture in like 2019. Definitely the way that the sound systems work in Jamaica, UK, it's not the way like how the people used to work here. We have disco mobile. They used to play salsa music, maybe soccer, reggaeton, anything that was popular for the Costa Rican listeners. But then I started to discover that some system was way more powerful than just the speakers. In Jamaica, there was like a group of artists, MCs, DJs, selectors. So that type of culture was amazing, you know? They share, they play soccer together, and in the night, they let many DJs or selectors play their music, new artists come up and sing. So that type of sound system culture, we didn't have it here. Despite facing many challenges, Dario continued to innovate and recently introduced Afrobeats to local audiences. At that time, I have like a mission that God gave me was like to be with the kids and just teach them to serve because it was the time that we have the COVID. Everybody was like locked down and I was just sharing with kids all the time. Start to share them some skills about mixing and singing, but they like most of the time to be in the beach surfing. It was definitely more funny for them. And we tried the sound system. I tried to invite a couple artists from here. Ital Sound, he plays strictly conscious reggae music, sound system style. And also I invite national artists like Jaricio, Mr. Niceness, DJ Chris, Mike Joseph. Those are the artists from this side, Wolava. And we tried to build up the vibes and try, but it was also a hard work for me as one DJ, one person moving the whole sound system. And at that time we couldn't put out the parties. So it was exactly the same moment that I started to get like a really good connection with the Afro beats, Afro fusion music. So I started to study new type of music and it was a time for me to open to new experiences.
So what's next for Costa Rican popular music? Well, we'll leave the last words to Sasha Campbell. Talking about the music industry in general in Costa Rica right now, I think it's at a really good place. I do still believe, of course, that we do need to find our own essence and learn from Costa Rican music and create something different. But I think there's a lot of people doing a lot of great things and we're finally getting Costa Rican known out there. We want to be out there and singing with international artists and stuff like that. We need to get involved and understand that music is culture and culture is the country. They're not things that are separate. I mean, in general, the educational system in Costa Rica needs to add more cultural diversity and more art and more things that will help us grow. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and PRX affiliate stations around the US. And now, more than ever, thank you for supporting your public radio station. Don't forget to visit afropop.org for more information on the music and culture of Costa Rica. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. And don't forget to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. And by the way, you may have heard our recent program on Saudi Zabusara Festival in Zanzibar. Well, if not, check it out on afropop.org and on our YouTube channel. I mention it because we are organizing an Afropop music lovers trip to Dar es Salaam and Zanzibar in February 2024. We'll catch the beat of Dar es Salaam and chill out at the greatest music festival in East Africa and even find time to visit Zanzibar's world-famous white sand beaches. So, Write to us at info at afropop.org for details. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by David Katz. And don't forget to join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer is Michael Jones. This program was mixed in Philadelphia by Zubin Hansler. Additional engineering by GC at the Syncopated Lair in Washington, D.C. Banning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Mukwai Wabeisi Yolwe, and I'm Georges Collinet.